you didn't want Santa Claus getting credit for all the work you had put that's in. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Some old fat imaginary old fat creature. imaginary <laughs> dude that works one day a year. <laughs> gets all the credit. <laughs> yeah. When I work all year to actually afford this stuff. <laughs> What's up, team? This is the G3 Podcast. I'm Chase Christie, uh, here with my co-host, Tanner Neese. What's up? How's it going? And our guest speaker today is actually my dad. His name's Chris Christie. And today, we're going to jump into failure and how failure isn't doesn't have to be as negative as we always thought it was. Correct. What's up, dude? Welcome. Not too much. How are you guys? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, how's everything going, man? Good. Good. Having a great day. Yeah. Busy week? Yes, sir. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. Yeah. Never kind of right it's the weekend. Yeah. Never stops. So let's jump into that a little bit. Um, what do you do for a living? Um, I service, I service, um, water addition equipment at feed mills. Okay. Um, and along with the computers that, that dictate how much water they put on at any given time. Okay. Um, and basically what they're doing is somewhat reconstituting dry corn so they can process it. Yeah. And that this is for <laughs> cattle? Yes. Like in feed yes. Okay. Cattle feed mainly. Cool. Eat how, beef. How it's what's for dinner. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Isn't that on the back of your truck? Or was it your... Yeah. Which once one? upon a time, yeah. it was on his truck. Yeah. It's yeah. a sticker. Yeah. Beef is what's for dinner. <laughs> how long have you been there? Oh, goodness. Since uh, I was born. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, before I was born. Yeah, I think I, I started in the business in 1987. Golly. Yeah. The, the man is a pro. Is a pro. <laughs> <laughs> or an amateur that's faking it really well. Uh, yeah. Fake <laughs> <laughs> it till you make it. Done a dang good job for the past 30 years. <laughs> Fed some kids and built a house and okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Pays the bills. Whatever pays the bills. What did you do? What did you do before that, though? Um, actually, I drove a. I was in college. They they recruited me right out of college. I was a. Uh, I was a. Uh, I drove a lumber truck. I drove the forklift <laughs> to pull lumber, and, and right out of high school, I went to a jewelry school and became a certified jeweler. Really? So yeah, all yeah. kinds of tools. In and to, to try to put this in a perspective for y'all. Uh, my dad is six five, three hundred ish, huge human being. <laughs> huge. Imagine getting your butt spanked as a kid from a behemoth of a <laughs> yeah, exactly. man. If you saw his hands, you'd be like, "How is that possible to have hands that big?" <laughs> I think actually, like at some point, jewelry. hanging out at your house, yeah. I thought a thought crossed my mind is like, "What if this man had to like." spank me you know like if i was a bad kid or something if you stuck your hand back there you'd break your hand yeah, you're like, no thanks dude well the beauty of all that is i didn't have to do it much yeah i can remember like two distinct times i know there are more times than that but there are two times that i remember like oh gosh to this day i remember where i was at remember what i was doing so one of the hardest one of the hardest times we were at church and you know it's really hard for kids i, I think the I think the devil sneaks in and gives them gives them extra attention when they're at church. But uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> we were at church and he had he had misbehaved and you know he knew he was going to get in trouble. He laid down in the back of the suburban in the sunshine and went to sleep. Just a little angel, and I had to wake him up and say, "It's time, must go." And and that was that was pretty tough. But you know, I was also determined that I wasn't going to lie to him. I wasn't going to say this is what's going to happen, and then and then. It doesn't happen. I, I tried not to put it out there if I wasn't willing to carry it through. Yeah. I think that's kind of a key to the whole, the way that you raised him though, and the way that he's wired now. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of something that I've thought of. And I don't, I don't remember if it was you or somebody that told me, because when, backstory really quickly, when my wife and I were getting married, we went and met with a couple different couples mm -hmm. and just get different perspectives and different ideas on marriage, I guess, if you will. Just mm -hmm. like, kind of like what we're doing here, getting nuggets, right? Sure, sure. And, uh, I think it was you that told me this kind of same thing. If you if if you say you're going to do something with your children later on, do it, follow through, be a man of your word. Um, and so I, I actually, that crossed my mind like a couple of days ago with Wes. And mm -hmm. I was like, I told him something. It was like right before he went to a nap. I'm like, yeah, after your nap, you know, we'll go outside. And it snowed. That's what it was. It was it just snowed. So let's go outside after you take a nap. And he got up and he was kind of in a mood. And I'm like, I don't really want to go outside. It's cold. But I'm like, <laughs> ah, yeah. 
I told him if he brings it up later, you know, like it's just one of those deals. He may never remember it, but then again, he might, you know, and it becomes a form of habit for you. Like making those hard decisions in the moment. And as you go, as you just like working a muscle, the muscle gets stronger, your ability to make, to do those difficult things when you need to do them will become easier. So when he's 15 years old and he won't forget it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's where he, I think that's where he starts to develop his sense of trust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he can't trust you, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to convince him to trust God? Right. You know, and that, that, that's, that's really where the rubber meets the road for me anyway, that, uh, that they, that, that I not lie to them. And, and it, sometimes it gets pretty, pretty sticky, you know, Easter bunny time, (laughs) Easter bunny time comes along and this and that. And you're like, (laughs) You know, I don't want to ruin it for the other children, but I'm also determined I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And, uh, so. And you didn't want, you didn't want Santa Claus getting credit for all the work you had put in. That's right. That's right. Some old fat imaginary creature. Imaginary dude that works one day a year. (laughs) Gets all the credit. (laughs) When I work all year to actually afford this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I think that's another one that my wife and I have talked about was the same with Santa. Mm -hmm. Like, cause we just get through with the holidays and stuff and you're like what do you tell them when they get a little older and they start asking because my parents were the same way they didn't like i was in kindergarten and i was arguing with the kid about santa you know and it's like does it help or hurt more do you let them believe it for just a little bit but then you have to go back like you're saying on like well the way i chose to handle it is number one not accentuate it not not build it up in their mind and to me, it was extortion um, from a kid, you know, because you're sitting there saying, be good, be good, be good. Or and, else. Yeah. And, and the, uh, you know, I, I remember in a movie one time, this little girl was kind of, she was talking to her uncle and saying, hey, you know, we were good and when we didn't get nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I remember being like that. And, and that's, that's just all wrong. Right. That's just all wrong, you know. Um, that, and, and, and once again, you're laying the basis, in my opinion, for, for their trust later on. Yeah. And I think that I'm going to hop on that, to- that coattail real quick because it's, we could, this could be a pretty deep rabbit trail. So I'm going to try to tiptoe around it. But that kid, Hey, we're good all year and we didn't get Christmas presents. You, you punished good behavior. And on the flip side, the spoiled rotten kid who was bad all year and got Christmas presents. Anyways, you rewarded bad behavior. And we see that a lot in our society yeah. right now. People doing a good job and not and getting punished for it. Right. And people doing a bad job and getting rewarded for it. And that kind of lays the foundation for that. Like, mm-hmm. where did this come from? Well, maybe it came from us lying about Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying is no more. I could be oversimplifying it. But <laughs> cancel Santa Claus. Yeah. Is that what it's we're his doing? fault. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he gets for working one day a year. So kind of bringing it back to more <laughs> the topic we're going to start on here. Um, is failure. What are some of the, like the, just the examples in your life that you've seen where you in the moment think I just failed big or man, this, this sucks. But a year later, a couple months later, even a week later, you're like, you're no, that's, for it. yeah, that's what needed to happen. Um, you know, I suppose, I suppose the biggest, the biggest one that comes to mind, um, was when, when, uh, my wife at the time and I found out that we were pregnant with his big sister. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what have I done? This is, and you know, then, then all the things that are going through your head. Um, and, and that was, that was, you know, she's the, she's, she's, she's the apple of his eye. Yeah. She's the favorite. Yeah. She's the favorite. Yeah. yeah. But I accepted quite it. like that. Well, Chase, plug your ears for a second. She's, she's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. And that is, uh, and that, you know, what, what could be considered as a failure is is actually something that I look back now in my life, and and that's you know a huge success. Both right. both of my kids, I mean they're 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 wonderful human beings, and that's that's just such a blessing. Yeah. Um, the uh, other failures early on in life. Um, so how would you consider having a kid a failure? Because that's um, kind of what you're alluding to. Well, um, because it wasn't planned. It wasn't okay. planned or really really talked about or anything. You know, just just having fun, having a good time. And then, Oh my goodness, you know, now what? And, and things as they say, got real, mm-hmm. 
got real <laughs> real quick. I love it. <laughs> but um, uh, another failure. Uh, I, I never did finish university. You mm-hmm. know, but it was. Uh, you know, it it wasn't. I didn't really see it as a failure. And looking back on it, you know, there were some poor decisions involved there. Um, I had I had other interests in life, and and then fear. Fear was also a factor. Um, the profession I was wanting to go into, um, as far as I could see, it was 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 fraught with danger, as far as you know, becoming sick and things like that. Mm-hmm. And 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 I was fearful. I, I knew myself and and knew that when uh, when I have a project, I get into it all the way up to my elbows. Right. And um, you know, if if that if that led to, you know, if that led to me becoming sick or whatever, I just you know what a waste you know you sit there and you got 12 extra years of school and now you know you could be dying or something and so i i kind of let fear run that and you know since then i've i've just come to understand that that i'm not in control of uh of most anything really i'm i'm in control of my my response to life Mm -hmm. i'm in control of where i look for direction um i can make a tentative plan you know but at the end of the day, you know, God decides whether that's going to succeed or not. Right. And, and so I, I, uh, you know, and, and, and even to frame it, um, I have a kind of a personality that, that I go to the worst case scenario, but even to frame a day that would be a complete failure, you know, that was, that was part of God's plan. It was either to humble me, to teach me, and maybe it was just to be an example to, uh, to another human being mm-hmm. on this is how not to do it. Right. Or, uh, gives me the opportunity to to show some grace to myself or to somebody else, you know, like, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's mm-hmm. that's a rough deal. So, so I, I think a, a person, especially a, a motivated person, a, a person with some uh, with some drive, they uh, they have to learn to experience failure and 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 put it in its proper perspective. Right. Learning. I think uh, we've talked about this a little bit, and that's one of the points I wanted to bring up. With failure, I think you learn a lot quicker with failure than like by a book or by watching, even watching somebody else putting hands on experience. You fail one time, you're like, that hurt. I won't do that again. I you agree. Know? And so it reta- you retain it a lot, a lot better. Sure. And I think that's, it's because it hurts. It's good, like a good experience or your favorite outcome. You kind of forget about it and move on. But when you fail... It hurts. And for whatever reason, that gets burned into our minds a little more readily and a little more effectively. Um, So I think that's part of the learning experience. We pay more attention to hurt. When we're feeling good, we're not like, you you just think about your day-to-day life. You're going through life. You feel good. You don't really think about it a lot. You just act. You go. You move. But when something hurts, it causes you to stop. causes you to ponder and think on it and spend time with that failure as opposed to just passing by success. Yeah. Pain, pain's a very good teacher. Yeah. But then that brings up, you can't just fail a hundred percent of the time and be okay with it. Like at some point, like you need to have some kind of success. They did this study with rats and essentially two rats enter in an arena, call it. And the way they set it up, one rat was 10% bigger than the other rat. And most of the time that's enough for the bigger rat to win. It only takes 10% body weight difference. And what you, I mean, 10% across any body weight, like that's a pretty significant amount when you're considering like a tussle, a fight. <laughs> a tussle. <laughs> but what they found was the first time these two rats meet one another, they, they get into a fight and one wins. Well, then the, t- the times after that, the s- rat who lost has to invite the bigger rat to play. Interesting, and this is where everything t- ties together. You're like, why is he talking about rats? <laughs> and what they found was if the big rat let the smaller rat win 30% of the time, it was enough to keep the small rat coming back for more. Yeah. Which is playing the game is important. And being invited to play the game it is important. So you're translating that to failure and success. Yes. So I think they didn't cover this in the study, obviously, but my takeaway from that is like we need to succeed or we need to win at least thirty percent of the time. 
you can't just fail 100 percent of the time and like all right i'm gonna fail again today <laughs> you need to have some hope i think yeah hope plays a big part in it the uh or, or it has for me the uh the thing that you know not not to derail the the line of thought but the thing that that really has come to my attention um is when i'm making this plan that i could potentially fail at that i consult you know that i consult god yeah um that i can consult god for that because ultimately I, i remember this was an epiphany i had one day if my plans are in line with what he has in mind i'll have a hundred percent success rate yeah um how do you know though reframing it's it's just reframing what is a failure i mean yeah. um and and to me the loose definition would be not succeeding at my plan so okay i'm the one in charge of my plan luckily and or or someone could give me a plan and and just reframing that into you know what what does god want for me yeah. um and what does god want you know for his ultimate purpose i mean my failure may be part of his ultimate purpose yeah. And, you know, I have to be willing to succumb to that. Um, there's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to that, you know, poor old Job. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> that, you know, you're like, man, that's rough. Yeah. And, and and that's a rabbit trail. But, you know, it said God gave him back everything. And I, I could, under, I could understand like replacing land and cattle and all that. But kids, I, I kind of like the ones I had. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want seven more kids. I want the two I've got. (laughs) The two I had. And that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think just reframing it. Cause you like what you said, it to you seems like failure, but if you look at it through like on the big scale, it's not God's the one saying, now that's actually a success. You just don't see it that way because your plan didn't line up with what I had. Sure. So it's just re rerouting. But at the same, you know, the other side of that, I, I don't think that gives us a free pass to just not make plans, not try, right. not, not uh, you know, push forward. Um, that's not at all what's being said there. Um, for me, it, it all starts, you know, when my feet hit the ground, you know, um, I need some help here. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, spend, spend my time in, in prayer, in meditation, in reading scripture and in reading other wisdom that you know so i can prepare myself for the day and and prepare my mind because ultimately what i have control of is between my ears it's how it's how i take a failure it's how i take a success even and uh how do i mold that into into something that uh that 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 makes for a, a satisfying day right you know it may not it may not be seen as a success you know to my peers or to my family but how can that how can that satisfy my my desire to be of use? Mm-hmm. And I experienced a handful of failures through really a lot of failures over. Well, now that I think about it, a lot of failures through my whole life, but specifically <laughs> the ones that are most fresh are the most recent ones. Right. And it was with PT school, and we touched on that a little bit um, in episode one. But that that first testing cycle when I failed six of the seven things, it's like. And that's tough. Yeah. And failing in PT school is anything under an 80. Um, so keep that kind of in perspective. But I remember after that testing cycle, and I called and talked to Dad. I talked about this on the first episode. To I was kind of introducing who you were and when I called you, and I was like fighting back tears, and you're like, well, son, you knew it was going to be hard. And I was like, gosh, that's, <laughs> that's what I needed to hear, I realized, but that's not what I needed to hear right now. <laughs> Um, but I remember sitting in church that Sunday following and I think it was a neat opportunity for God to go, Hey, you're fully dependent on me. Like you can't do this on your own. Cause I went into it thinking I could, I went into it thinking like, this is, this is my bread and butter. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. Like I'm going to be one of the best to ever do PT school. Um, and then God said, hold up. There's a lot of you, you, you going Wait. on. Where am I? Where am I in this story? <laughs> And I remember sitting in church and that's when the, I just had to fully give up, give it up to him. Be like, God, this is what you want for me. This is what you want for my life. I pray that you allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realize now that I can only do it through you um, and with your help. If it's not, because you're like, yeah, that's what I want. My pride is saying, 
Hey, I, I went down to PT school. I took, everyone knows I'm down here. Pride is going, you can't fail at this. Like, so the prideful, it was more pride than anything that was like catching me up. Um, on the flip side of it, God, if this isn't your plan for me, being fully okay to like fail in, yeah. fr- in the eyes of your peers, in the eyes of your friends and family, being perfectly okay for that to happen and going, God, if this isn't what you have planned for me, I pray that whatever my next path is, I pray that you make it clear, whatever it is. I'm okay with whatever it is, but just please make that clear right. in my life if this isn't it. So that was when I got really okay with just, I'll do my best. And I think it says somewhere in the Bible, like God will bless what you lay your hands to. So I couldn't just sit on the couch and go, God, if you want me to be a PT, I pray that I pass that test tomorrow that I didn't study for. Like, (laughs) no, you need to lay your hands to it. You lay your hands to it and give up the rest to him. And that took, that made failure in my eyes a lot more palatable because it wasn't failure in the greater scheme of things, the greater plan. And I think it's difficult a lot of times for early success, you know, and, 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 and I'd heard it before and didn't really fully understand it that, you know, in college, the, the, the kids from high school that had B's and C's actually made better college students. Um, and that, that just floored me, but it was because, you know, a lot of the kids that, that made A's weren't, weren't tried, weren't tested yet really. And, uh, they didn't know how to respond to that quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know. They didn't know how to come back from that. Um, they didn't know how to dig deep and say, okay, yep. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to apply myself to this. So, you know, they don't get success a, early on sometimes can be a curse of its own. They don't have an opportunity to develop, to develop that resilience. And like my friend from PT school and I talked about it quite a bit. It's like, you don't know that you can come back from rock bottom unless you've been there and come back yeah. kind of a thing. And that's what we're experiencing, just watching some of the other students. And because in my life, I do feel like I hit, not rock bottom, but I failed, but I also came back from it. So I knew in my mind I had that ability to do it, to not succeed right away, but to come full turn and lose the battle, win the war type of a thing. But some kids in PT school who were smarter than me didn't make it through. And it's because what you were just talking about, they hadn't, they hadn't experienced failure and came back from it. And that's, that's tough. Like I've, you feel bad for that, um, that they didn't get an opportunity to experience. And it sounds weird. Like, Oh, he's on this podcast saying, Oh, I feel bad for the kids who never failed. It's like, but really I do because they don't have an opportunity to develop that resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you learn more about, not just more about the world. You learn more about yourself and what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, I would, I would hypothesize that, um, the earlier, the earlier you fail, the better. Um, and, and you take like a little child when, when he falls down, when he fails to make it across, it's not very far to the floor and, and he's got some good padding there and everything. He's kind of set up to do that. But you take that same child, you know, 30 years old, that's never fallen down. They're liable to break something. Yeah. You know, they're liable to hurt somebody because, because they don't, you know, and you know, you can extrapolate that into, into more of a uh, more of a spiritual thing as well. I mean, it doesn't have to be physical, but but just just understanding that you know that early and often, you know, and uh, being exposed to that, not always bad. Yeah, and golly, so much comes to my mind when we're sitting here talking, which I think is a good thing. Um, but it was actually pretty close to where we're sitting. Uh, my sister and I got our first four wheelers. And I think there's some parents out there like, I'm never going to give my kid a four-wheeler because of X, Y, Z reasons. But it gave us an opportunity on a smaller scale to learn the consequences of motor vehicles. Like we wreck these things. Like it hurts when you mess up. It hurts when you're not paying attention and you run into a tree that hurts. So pay attention when you don't let the four-wheeler warm up. Dad made us count to a hundred before we could drive off on the four wheeler. We had to sit there and like (laughs) idle count to a hundred. Um, and I'd start going, he was like, uh, that wasn't a hundred. They got really good. (laughs) count to a (laughs) hundred. But when you don't let the four wheeler warm up and you do that a few times, 
the four wheeler doesn't work as well anymore. So you learn like that if I do this, there are consequences yeah. for it, whether they're good or bad. If I take care of the four wheeler, it'll take care of me. Um, and lo and behold, when we got vehicles, we were perfectly fine on the road. Like we had to learn how to use a standard, which I think everyone should learn how to do. Um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but we got to, we failed on a smaller scale. We out here in the field driving a four wheeler, kind of going back to what you're talking, little kids falling over. I wrecked my four wheeler out in the field. I understood why that happened. I didn't let it happen in my 9,500 pound dually truck going down the highway at 85 miles an hour. Like the consequences are a lot bigger there, but I understand that consequences exist because of a four wheeler I got when I was in the third grade. So is that, does that mean that one time that certain somebody wrecked your four wheeler on a back road doing a Superman or whatever? Remember that? He's like, oh gosh. Like, did he not fall pay. over enough when he was little? Or no, I firmly believe he <laughs> what didn't. What does that mean? <laughs> and we tried to torch the handlebars <laughs> to bend the back. Oh gosh. Uh, we were on a that's why he wasn't on the 700. <laughs> yeah. He was on the 250. Because <laughs> he would have killed himself. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I saw that um, you brought some notes. Is there anything in there that you want to? Oh, uh, you know, I was I was just it? I was just trying to solidify in my mind, you know, kind of, kind of how how I end up in failure and and mm-hmm. what I you know, kind of what the definition of failure, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and so basically, you know, when when I write things down, it helps me remember. But yeah, you know that I just if if I'm not. If I'm not careful when I write things down, I'll just sit there and read it all to you. <laughs> that kind of that kind of takes away from the discussion a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of the authenticity, but it can help trigger ideas too. Sure. I think there's a good place for them. Um, earlier, you talked about your educational experience and how you were fearful potentially of moving forward uh, with your education. You mentioned 12 years, and I know what you're talking about, but just so everyone else knows what you're talking about. Um, you were considering going to med school. Yes. Correct. Okay. Um, so how did your thought process then affect how you counseled Lauren, my sister and I into going to school? Cause you're an advocate for it. Um, and when I was thinking about not going to PT school, you were like, do it, follow through with it. Take your education as far as you can try to separate yourself from other people in similar fields mm-hmm. um, as much as you can while you're doing it. Because if you stop now, you might not go back. So how did your experience affect the counsel that you gave Lauren and I? Because you're pro, pro, pro college. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think for the majority of people, it, it not only is a pathway for, for economic, um, economic advancements for, for us and our families, um, what what I've really what I've really come to believe it's a uh, it's a pathway to understanding it's a pathway to to humility it's a pathway to um, you know growing up a little bit mm-hmm. um, in in countries where they where they uh, where they demand that the children go to the military for a couple of years I mean that's they're just growing up they're 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 seeing the consequences if they haven't been exposed to them so far. In an, in an environment or an arena that has lower grade consequences. Sure. Kind of bringing that full circle. Sure. So, so school, school's just a, school's a pathway. I mean, you, you meet, you meet people there, you, you, uh, develop your mind, um, your problem solving abilities, whether that's, you know, how to pass this test or, you know, how to eat for this week, you know, if I'm out of meal plan or whatever. Yeah. So. And that's a big difference between high school and first year of college. Sure. Sure. That, and, and I think the, the, the key word there is self-regulate mm-hmm. because a, a lot of high school kids, their, their parents are still waking them up. Their parents are still saying, you know, did you get your homework done? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, I tried to, you to cut that off in fifth grade. <laughs> you cut that off. I'm not kidding. I was thinking it was high school, but no, <laughs> I set my own alarm at fifth grade, a little rough. waking myself, doing my own laundry. Yeah. I remember talking to, to my daughter one morning and uh, I had to come up twice to tell her to get up and, and they lived upstairs and uh, you know laziness kind of creeps in on you and I didn't want to walk back upstairs again 
But I went up there twice that day and I told her this won't happen again. And uh, lo and behold, about two weeks later, I woke her up. She went back to sleep. <laughs> Not my problem. Uh-oh. And uh, so she gets to so school. I- she gets to school and they, uh, well, well, what happened? And she said, well, my daddy's teaching me a lesson. And they're like, <laughs> go just get to class. <laughs> get to class. <laughs> so how did your experience in not furthering, like not continuing on with college affect the advice that you gave us? Okay. To bring that. Was it like a regret type of thing <clears throat> or like you feel like you failed there and you didn't want us to do that? Hmm. Hmm, that's a tough question. Um, I was, you know, I was blessed with a wonder, with a wonderful opportunity, um, in lieu of college Yeah. Um, that I can, I can see that now, but at the time I was, uh, you know, I wanted y'all to be self-sufficient. Um, I knew I didn't, I didn't really have anything to offer you to, to make you self-sufficient, you know, like, like a company you could go to work for or something like that. Um, so I needed you to be able to stand on your own two feet. Um, my, my not succeeding, um, there were some regrets there. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want y'all to shoulder those. Um, I'm middle ageish and, um, I don't really know what you call this age, but here I am. <laughs> but and, uh, between middle and old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get, getting, getting closer to old than not. But, um, you know, I remember when I was little, 40 was old, but, um, Options, options in my life. Um, I felt like an education would give you kids options. Okay. Um, whether, uh, you know, whether you wanted to keep this job, whether you wanted to start something of your own, you, you had that, you had that, um, had that education where people would at least give you an opportunity Right. and you got to do something with it then, but they would, you know, they would, they would extend that opportunity to, to listen to what you had to say and, and possibly open some doors that, that I felt like that I, I didn't, that I didn't have. And I'm, I'm, I'm super curious because this is my dad talking about college and you can kind of see like how that influenced me to continue my education. So I'm curious, really curious when we have your dad on how that conversation is going to go. Like, yeah, the contrast between, Chris Christie and Shane Neese and how that, and people are probably going like, yeah, he just made a really good sell for going to college. And they're probably going to hear your dad. They're going to be like, man, he made a pretty good sell for not going (laughs) to college. Cause I think, so I think what ties that in, I just, I was about to say this when you're going, you said you have options. Now you still have to do something with the options. It's the same thing going back to what you were talking about. Chase is you still have to put in the work. It doesn't matter if you go to school or don't go to school. If you don't get off your butt in the morning, get to work, it doesn't matter whether you're reading a book or you're swinging a sledgehammer. Yeah. You have to go put in your your effort and then let everything else kind of fall in line. Well, I, I remember one time uh, I was listening to it. She was actually an elementary school principal, and, and she was speaking at a pre-K graduation. So this is really high and, you know, intense things. And um, she told she told those kids that education was everything and it just kind of flew all over me and so i started working in my mind okay you know what what is everything and you know first you have to define success in your mind and then okay how how do i get there and so i started studying my environment um there were people in my environment that had a third grade education that were millionaires there were people you know people in my in my world that had um you know, really educated and, and could hardly feed themselves. And I went, you know, there's, there's a disparity there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I developed a theory on my own and I probably stole it from somebody, but I can't remember <laughs> who to give credit to. So I'm going to call it mine. Um, you heard it first. That, that success, success stood on, stood on three legs, you know, um, one was a work ethic. You got to be able to get up and, and produce. The second was a certain amount of intelligence, however you get that, whether it's through school or through hard mm-hmm. knocks or, you know, if you're just smart enough to pay attention. Um, so so you have a little bit of education and, and you're willing to work, and then you have to, have to, have to be able to get along with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's that's imperative, I believe, to success. And, and you know, it falls back into what, what we're called to do, you know, on this earth. And, you know, one of, one of my most important callings is, is to, uh, you know, to encourage, to encourage, encourage other, other, other children of God, you know, to, you know, Hey, you know, I know that that looks rough and, 
you, mm-hmm. you'll get through this, you know, just, just that little word, you know, can positivity can absolutely can, can mean the difference in life and death sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just, just encouraging people, but, but that, uh, those are the three things that, uh, you know, that I've, that I defined that, that were necessary to, to be, to have some level of success. Yeah. I like the, the people aspect of it. Cause that's something I've kind of learned more recently, I think. Most of the time, I read this in um, the leadership book I read, is like most people's favorite topic to talk about is themselves. So I learned... Is that very, Dale Carnegie? Uh, yeah, very yeah. quickly. Like recently, very quickly, if you like, if you just need to start a conversation with somebody, you just start talking about, hey, what have you been doing? How's everything going with you? Oh, so that's cool. How did you learn that or whatever? And, and they get, they'll get to start talking. Yeah. And it, that just opens the door to learning how to talk, like to talk to people. Sure. And then they'll, you know, if they're most people, normal people will ask you questions back, you know, and that's just starting that conversation. And that's how you build the relationship. thus giving you the third leg of success. So that's what you were doing. I thought you were just being nosy. I'm being nosy. <laughs> no, I'm op- opening the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to take, to kind of take that to a, to another level, um, and, and, you know, I brought up the, the, the millionaire with the third grade education. If, in fact, you have identified one of your legs as weak, the other two better be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's you doing what you can for yourself. And, I mean, once, once again, God determines how this turns out. But. And I think you can speak pretty good on that because we've talked about you before. Um, work ethic, without a doubt there. And we could jump down your history a little bit maybe to give some more depth and dimension to that extremely hard worker you're extremely intelligent where do you feel like you're at with the the people skills do you feel like that was something you struggled more with than the other two legs call it absolutely absolutely i I struggle with uh with the people skills and you know identifying you know what what their need is what their desires are taking an interest in them taking a genuine interest um, we live in a society that, you know, somebody comes up and starts asking you these questions. Nine times out of ten, they're trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. They want either your time or your money. Right. And you which know, are equivalent. Well, in a, in a lot of kind a lot of times, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can make more money. You can't get more time. You know, unless you know, like we've discussed. But <laughs> save that for another episode. But. <laughs> we talked about it in the first one, actually. Our our uh, trial run. We yeah. talked about it. Yeah, but. But, you know, they're, they're wanting something from you typically and, you know, setting yourself apart from that. Um, you know, there's an old saying that say they don't, they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that you have an interest in their life, that you have a, uh, um, that, that you want to know about them, that you, that you want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, then, then you can, you can go a long way with that. Yeah. But it's, you have to do it genuinely is what you're, is basically what you're saying. You Absolutely. can't just, hey, how's it going? Okay, cool. Anyways, so I got this product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. 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 But if you're genuinely, like a lot of things I've noticed, people that are really good, like um, really good with other people is they remember what they talked to you about last time, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so that, that way, you know, they're genuinely listening to you. So you'll have a conversation and a week later, they'll call you and go, hey, how did that, whatever that meeting go? Or how did, how's the doctor appointment you had? And you're like, oh, nice. Like, and so oh, cool. t- to go back and answer your question, I, I really struggle with people because um, for a lot of my life, people let me down. Um, yeah. I could rely on myself. Um, I didn't really realize it as much at the time, but, you know, God was helping me all along. Um, and, and I think first, I think in some ways that's why I, I gravitate to, to machinery because it, 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 I, I don't have to worry about it letting me down. You yeah. know, if I, if I give it what it needs, it'll give me what I want. With the and exception of Dodge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the 5.9 coming soon, not so much. <laughs> but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, the, the people aspect is probably where I struggle. Um, so probably it, the biggest gains I've made is, you know, coming to the realization that we're all God's beloved children. Yeah. Um, all the way across the this socioeconomic strata, all, yeah. all the way across mm-hmm. any you know strata. any um, you know any race, any creed, mm-hmm. we're, we're God's beloved children, and mm-hmm. 
seeing you as that, respecting you for that. Um, and go a long way. And I think this is from Dale Carnegie as well. Um, something. Okay. So dad came home one day was, I think I was a senior in high school, um, with two books, seven habits of highly effective people, um, and how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And I was reading the intro for this book and it was like the best, the best way to get the most out of this book is to like scan the chapter really quickly, just read through it and then go back and highlight annotate through the chapter. So you essentially read every chapter twice Mm -hmm. by the time you get through it. I was like, okay, whatever I'll do it. And I was through one, one or two chapters and I told my dad, a senior in high school, mind you, I was like, this book is terrible. Like so hard to read. And he was like, keep on reading. You'll find a gem in there somewhere. You'll find a golden nugget that you're going to be able to apply to your daily life. And I came across it. My big takeaway from that book was everyone you meet is better than you at something and recognizing that. So that keeps, it keeps you grounded it keeps you humble and it also keeps you interested. You're like, you're better than me at something. What is it? And teach me how to be better at that. So that's when I started taking a bigger interest in other people. I'm like, you're better at something. I want to know what it is. And I want to know if you can help me get better at that area that you're good in. Um, and I think that's when my people skills, when I became, when my people skills developed the most, um, was through like taking a genuine interest in people because I was no longer like, Oh, I'm better than you at that. I don't need to talk to you. Like (laughs) arrogant little kid. Um, and I was like, started seeing more value in people through that. I'm like, you have a skill set. You have a gift. I want to know what that is. And why I may, while I may not be able to be as good at you as you in that field, maybe I can get a little bit closer mm-hmm. and be a more well-rounded individual. Another way I think going a little one step further with that even is if I find out Chase is better at Frisbee golf, it's like raising that skill up and being like, dude, that's awesome. Like you're way good at this. Yeah. You know, and meaning it genuinely, not trying to, once again, trying to get something out of somebody, but like, not a form of flattery. Yeah. But saying like, dude, that is awesome. Good job. I want to be better like at that, like you. Yeah. You know, and finding those things that helps you, helps your, your people skills and your relational skills just exponentially. Yep. Being able to like find, find what you're good at and then telling you you're good at it. Yep. It's just so much more than just saying, okay, I know you're good at that. So teach me. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, like, give me, give me, give me, like, yeah. give, <laughs> give me your skills. But saying like, dude, you are good at that. Yeah. You know? So I think that's just a whole nother layer to it even. And this is a neat opportunity to talk about getting invited to play more games. And Jordan Peterson talks about it a little bit and we're all actually going to get to see him live. But it's less about winning the individual games and it's more about getting invited back to play more. The person, and I'm using the word games pretty loosely as an umbrella term here, but the person who wins is the person who gets in, who gets invited, invited to play the most games. And if you're good with people, that will happen naturally. You'll be invited to play more games with more people. And so you'll be more successful because of it. To tie our main, um, our main topic into this, what are some times that y- y'all that y'all have failed at? your relational skills, like your people skills, and you've gone back later and saying like, oh, I handled that situation poorly, and this is how I kind of learned from it. Because we're sticking to kind of failure, so it's like yeah. going off on the people stuff, but how does that tie hand in hand, you know? Um, I just I just make a, an observation. Um, I, I get frustrated easy, and, and one, of, one of my buttons to get frustrated is when I feel like I'm misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will, you know... On a good day, I'll clam up and get away from it. On a bad day, things escalate and things get out of hand. Um, and I, you know, I have I, I figured Chase would handle handle things similar to the way I did, and he doesn't at all. And yeah, I, and I'm tickled for that. You know, he's when he's when he's met with adversity with something that you know I might jump off the handle about. He's very calm and very patient and, and states, you know. Um, you know, a phrase we use quite often is what I hear you saying is, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, but those little, those little nuggets, those little tools, the little pieces of wisdom, 
um, that we can uh, glom onto mm-hmm. and uh, and use in our life to to help our life and and the lives of of others. But um, that I think that's where I fail. Um, I I automatically take it personal, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's. I've learned that that's, you know, I'm not going to get anywhere like that. Right. Um, so I have to back up and, and uh, you know, maybe reiterate the facts as I see them. Um, that's something else that was hard for me, too, you know, because I felt, you know, in any particular situation with all my heart that I was telling you 100% what happened mm-hmm. there, um, at anything. And um, that's my perception of what happened there. Um, you know, they've, they've done studies with, uh, eyewitnesses in court and so unreliable because they see their world through their lens mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and they add things to it that, that are not factual. Um, when you go back to the video and, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting of the world we live in now right. that, that everything's videoed and recorded, but, but, you know, just to be able to just to be able to take that situation and de-escalate it, um, right. um, and, and to stick with it. Don't, don't just walk off. You know, there's some, like I said, sometimes that's the best I could do is just get away, walk, walk off. That, that really doesn't solve anything. And, um, that would be, you know, just kind of a generic, mm-hmm. um, thing that I've failed at. Kyle, what a question. Like, where have you failed from a relational state or like with people? And what did you learn from it? The main thing that pops into my mind, um, sometimes I get going, I get talking, and I say something distasteful. Um, sometimes my filter doesn't work as good as it probably should. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did this when I was in PT school with someone who at the time wasn't as good of a friend as he ended up being. And thankfully, he was able to see me through this part of my life. Um, And I said something, and I don't remember what the distasteful thing is, but that's not the point I'm getting at. I said something distasteful, and I went home and reflected on it. I I think that's something I do. I kind of finish my day. I get home. I get to a safe place, and I think about my day over. And that area was just sticking out very clearly to me that area of my day where I said something distasteful when I put my foot in my mouth, um, like people say, and I immediately called him. It's like, man, I was just thinking about my day and I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. That's, I said that I realized it was distasteful. Um, I hope that you can see past it kind of a thing. Yeah. And so that's definitely somewhere where, cause I get going and I don't have much of a filter anyways, mm-hmm. but when I get going on something, I can say something offensive and being okay to step back and having the humility to go, hey, I messed up and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'll try to do better. We talked about like the steps of an apology. Uh, but that's, I think that was the main thing that popped into my head mm-hmm. when I failed dealing with people and what I learned from it. And yeah. it's, it typically works out. If you're, if you're vulnerable with someone about a mistake that you made, they're pretty typically understanding of it. Yeah. That was my takeaway. Mine's kind of the opposite, like the of what you said. So most of the time I'm I'll get something said to me and I'll just hang on to it. And my wife and I actually talked about this the other day. I had the business phone call and I had something I had said something and they said something back like fairly quickly. And it may not have to me I read way too far into it, you know, and I'm like, oh no, like they're mad about whatever it was. And really when I talked to him again afterwards they're like no dude I didn't I was just in the middle of something I had my hands full and I was just going you know and so a lot of people they don't say stuff to mean it they just kind of are just talking and I'll hold on to that and like like what you do at home I'm like I get home and I'm like I can't believe I said like I made them mad you know or I told them you know this and they said something and they're like I offended somebody and I kind of just hold it and I just like just hold it and hold it until finally I'm like dude, I got to call them or something like apologize. I feel bad. And most of the time they're like, it wasn't anything. What are you talking about? But I just, I, it's like, I blow it up huge. Yeah. And so I'm having to learn to kind of just be like, don't read into it as much. That's what it is. What I do is I overcomplicate some of the simple things. Yeah. And I just sit there and let it fester. And it's like, that's nah, not even, 
not even worth the time that I'm spending thinking about that. I could be doing other things. You know? Yeah, neat thing about failure. You have a testimony to share for others. Said like, hey, I went here. I messed up. I made it out on the other side. You give hope to others. Um, and something that would be like really relevant to me and my experience in my life is if someone below me in PT school or someone trying to get into PT school, um, they're experiencing some similar things that I was back then. Like, Hey, yeah, I failed that, failed that test too, but I still made it out. You can give through your failure, you can give hope to others. So it's like, it's a good thing. Like, and maybe you can help them avoid some of the internal conflict. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can help them avoid some of the failure or some of the heartbreak of it anyways. Right. Um, and that makes it worth it. Not only did you make it out on the other side and you're a better person for it, but you can also take that experience and multiply it, that positive experience and multiply it to other people. Mm -hmm. And that makes it even exponentially more beneficial because then if I take that experience and I share it with five people, well, those five people share it with five people mm -hmm. and that happens pretty quickly yeah. <laughs> in the best way possible. In the best way. And something I've noticed about, uh, about failures, um, it's how they connect us so easily. Mm -hmm. If, if I am a success, it takes a certain amount of humility on your part. Like you were talking earlier to say, Hey, you're really good at hitting that ball. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'd like to try to understand how to do that better. Um, and, but, but what connects us in a real familiar way is our failures. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm excellent at everything, probably don't have many friends, you know, yeah, um, yeah. And because, because I'm not, I can't relate. Um, I can't relate to, to what's going on, but, but those little failures, um, I talked to a man for about 30 minutes today that I've never talked to before. Um, had a really neat testimony, really neat story. And, um, it was all the whole, the whole thing was about our failures. Yeah. You know, our lives have been running parallel here and, you know, some of the made some poor decisions here and there and, uh, and how, you know, how God brought us out the other side right. and made us better for it. I, I wonder if that's like, what about having a common enemy and in this instance failure is a common enemy what is it about that that develops camaraderie because i know like my friends from pt school we developed a relationship that's hard to over a short period of time and i think people in the military experience this mm -hmm. i think people who go through trauma together experience this what is it about a common enemy or failure that unites people like, and it's what you're talking about. You know, I've heard it said that nothing brings people together faster than a common enemy. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I can see that. I can see that because that, that's where your focus is. Yeah. And if the enemy is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. If an enemy is world hunger. Yeah. You know, we decide that's, that's, that's our, that's our passion. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to go after. It's unifying. Um, then, then yeah, yeah, you can. You can move mountains that way and, and have that, that instant connectivity. Mm -hmm. So would we, big question, there may not be an answer to it, but could we have unity without trials and tribulations, failure? Like if, if there was no common enemy, would there ever be a reason for us to come together? Is that maybe why failure is there to bring us together to work on it? Like I said, there may not be an answer to that, but I think that's a good maybe hypothesis. I mean, that Provoking the question. Yeah, you could. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, <laughs> the listeners, let us know what you think on that one. Actually, that's a good question to ask to everybody. I heard I heard a term in the last in the last week, and and y'all look it up and and see its definition for yourself. But the the term was called hedonic adaptation, and basically, for me, um, what they said was, um, you know, you could have the greatest thing in the world, whatever that is to you, the greatest meal, the greatest experience, the greatest movie. And, and if you just constantly had that, it would basically raise the bar and it wouldn't be great anymore. Um, and and, our, and our minds have, you know, our mind has a way of, of adapting that way. That's why it's called adaptation, I guess. But um, that, that, and, and, and that's, 
that that can show us challenges, especially relationally, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, and you know, the husband and wife relation comes to mind that, you know, you could have the greatest wife in the world and, and not really appreciate her without any, anything else coming into your world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember telling the kids early on that they needed to be able to learn from others' mistakes because there's really not time to make every mistake on your own. Yeah. You need to be able to see that and say, hey, that wasn't a good deal. And, and, and relationally the same way, you know, come home and, and, you know, hug her and say, man, I'm, I'm glad you're my wife. I appreciate you know? yeah. 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 I saw this and this today and, oh, I'm glad, you know. Yeah. So you just think, you know, encompass the whole podcast of the having other people inviting everybody else into the podcast to say, hey, what's your opinion? What do you think? What are your stories on this? Sure. To help us grow. And it's pitching it to everybody that wants to listen, hey, we're all going to grow together. You don't have enough time to make all the mistakes yourself, so you might as well jump on and learn with us, you know. And so that's kind of cool. Taking advantage of, and we talked a little bit about it in the um, in our trial run of the first episode. It's, in the way I see it, if I have 10 50-year-olds in front of me with all of their wisdom, and if I can glean, as a 26-year-old, if I can glean just a little bit from every single one of them, Maybe I can have the equivalent, uh, the equivalent knowledge of a fifty-year-old at twenty-six, learning from those mistakes, mm-hmm. learning the, the pro tips, if you will, yeah. of living a life of fifty years, um, and that's what I'm hoping we can do here. Like, if there's anyone listening to us, they can take our life experiences, the things yeah. we've learned, our knowledge, and apply it at a younger age. They can maybe be further ahead of further ahead at our age than we Mm -hmm. were um and that's what i want like i want people to be more successful like i don't success isn't a fine there isn't a finite amount of success like everyone can have some it's not like oh tanner you're successful so i can't be successful yeah um i think people lose it's not a zero-sum game for tanner to succeed it doesn't mean that i have to fail that's a whole other yeah. big topic. And, you know, to f- framing your success, seeing your success for what it is. Um, and, and I remember talking, you know, a lot early on with, with the kids about this that, you know, okay, what is success? Is mm-hmm. it this many zeros? Is it this big a house? Is it, okay, what is success? And, and you know, I, um, Looking for serenity, looking for peace with yourself, looking for peace with your creator, um, trying to trying to get in step and in line with 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 what he has in mind. Caitlin and I the other day were talking about something similar, um, like what's your form of success um, in my head? Because it's like you reach a certain point. So in my head, four years ago, we were living in a little tiny house here in town, and I was like, I just want some land, you know, and a shop, and I'll be good, and I'm good for life. And then you get to that point and it's like, cool, celebrate your success, but it's like, now change your goal. You know, okay, so this is cool, but now where are we going? Is, Check next, you know. Is that part of like the, what is it, hedonic? Hedonic adaptation. I wonder if that's part of the hedonic adaptation. It's like, oh, I got what I thought success was, but now. But now we're going more. Yeah. yeah. Because really like a lot of people just put a zero number to it. I want to make six figures. Then you go make six figures and you're like, Life sucks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now what? Oh, I want a Lamborghini. Okay, I got one. Now what? Well, it's like, it, that's not what it is anymore. And so that's kind of where I started was like, I want to make this much money. I want to get in this kind of house, this much land, chickens, cows. And then you kind of get there and you're like, okay, well, I'm good. Do I coast or do I now try to find a new goal? And that's kind of where the podcast kind of came into it is why well, can't, if I can do it, everybody else should be able to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's like, I should not have been able to, so if anybody else wants to do it, let's go. We're going. And I think that, that falls right into, you know, seeking God's will. Yeah. That's, um, for me, that, for me, that's where success is or failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how well did I do that? And the best way I heard, like, cause people listening, they may go, well, they've talked about failure and it's like, well, they've talked about success. And I don't think you can talk about one without talking about the other. You can't talk about the darkness without talking about the light kind of a thing. But the best way I heard to define success is to take the three people who mean the most to you in your life 
And what would you want them to say about you at your own funeral? Like, and that hit me hard because mm-hmm. it wasn't about how much money I'd made. Yeah. Cause I typed, I typed these things out and I think the original way I had it set up or the original way is delivered to me. Like one family member, one mm-hmm. person you had worked with and one friend. Um, and I was typing those out, bawling my eyes out. Like, and then I looked at what I had typed out and I was like, this is, this it's is what dull. success is to me. Yeah. He, he cared about others. He worked hard. He, those, those kinds of things. It was mm-hmm. never, he made a million dollars in one year. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of when the money came out of it for me. Right. But, and that's probably something we'll talk about mm-hmm. later on down the road. Uh, money isn't bad. It's what you could potentially do with money. That would be bad or your intentions with it or mm-hmm. your desires with it or when it separates you from God. So it becomes bad. And I want to, and this, this doesn't have to necessarily be part of the recording. We can pick and choose. Um, gosh, you've dad, Chris, you've lived a lot of life. Um, can you kind of give briefly a history on where you came from? Because I feel like that gives a lot of, I know where you came from, what the adversities you came across, what you've overcame that's Mm -hmm. made you into the person that you are, but not everyone does. Um, Give us your backstory. Sure. Sure. The tragic backstory. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, uh, you know, when I was born, I was, I was an unplanned pregnancy. Um, and, and my mother through for various reasons had to give me up for adoption. I was adopted into a family that, that, uh, already had four children and, and really not a lot of resources. And so, you know, those, those early formative years, I was, I was, uh, I spent a lot of my time focusing on money. Um, even though, even though my father was a preacher, um, basically, you know, would like to, would like to have this or that. No, Chris, that costs money. You know, Mm -hmm. I see other kids going on vacation. No, Chris, that costs money. And so solution. at an early age, <laughs> money. you know, this was my, yeah, this was my solution for life, you know, find something to make a bunch of money. And, and that in fact, actually what led me to the, you know, to the medical field and, and the desire to be in the medical field was the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, my care for people wasn't there. Um, my care for God's direction for my life wasn't there. It was, it was cash, you mm-hmm. know, and so that I can, I can have this freedom with this money. Um, so that was that was something that I had to put to rest early on. Um, that that you know, I remember waking up one time and I wasn't that old. I had every single thing I wanted, and it was like the bottom fell out of my life. It's like, well, now what? What do I do now? What pushes me? What motivates me now? I was lost, mm-hmm. and 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 that's when I had to start looking, um, you know, for for how how I define success and and where I want to go from here. So, um, you know, did, did the school thing and, and did, did okay at it. I was, I was good at school, um, good at college, um, got a little disillusioned and, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I had my priorities all wrong. Um, I, I was, I was more infatuated with, with the fair sex than I was, uh, than I was my studies. And, um, you know, that, uh, that didn't, that didn't work out so good. Um, got a chance to have a good job and, and make a good income and, and went for that with the idea that I would go back to class mm-hmm. as, as soon as my wife at the time uh, graduated. And I, that was a terrible idea. I look back on that now and go, you know, what was I thinking? But it was, it was God, you know, leading me and molding me. You look back and you, and, and you couldn't really plan this stuff out mm-hmm. any better. Um, and, and that's because, you know, his, his plan prevailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you flash forward a few years and, and, you know, met the kid's mom and, and, uh, and had a couple of, had a couple of wonderful kids, um, was able, um, to have a situation where she was able to stay home with them for a, for a lot of their formative years, which I think is, you know, for, for me and my experience was huge. Um, and, you know, just just providing for them and, and trying to be there for them 
and you know when chase was saying earlier you know what would you want people to say about you um i and and the the one thing that i focused on um, when i was doing that particular exercise was i I would want someone to say that that you know there there was no bs it was um you know he'd tell you the truth he'd shoot from the hip he wasn't he wasn't going to um candy coat it or or uh, manipulate in any way he'd tell you the way it was and not a week later, one of my kids said that about me, and I was just like, thanks, God. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I needed that yeah. at that particular time. But um, ended up married and divorced three times. Um, I seem to, you know, this Mars and Venus thing still still puzzles me a little bit. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's okay, and it, it's my journey. Um, and this is, this, is, uh, this is where I'm at. Uh, most of the time, you know, I, I don't know that that was necessarily what God's will f- was for me, but but He uses that to redirect my life, you know, and and to to keep me humble, um, and to to help me focus on what my priorities are. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's that's where that's where failures in my life have have been have been a real blessing, in all honesty. It's crazy because that's part like. Now I'm thinking we should have asked you that first, because then we could have set it all up. Yeah. And that's something, hey, we may have quote unquote failed, but now we're going to take what (laughs) we've learned here and in future episodes um, with other people, we'll have a better idea on how to structure it. But we would have never learned how to do that had we never tried. Yeah. So vulnerability right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep it real, man. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when y'all, y'all were talking about doing this and you said, you know, we're going to, we're going to have you on. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of neat. And then subject's failure. <laughs> Go ahead and talk to the resident expert. <laughs> <laughs> but and how you've taken that failure and succeeded because oh, of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think you have a lot of really good insight on the whole aspect of just staying positive. And just like what you said, what is what is God's will? Let's let's follow that then, and make sure my my plans line up with that. Like, that's cool. How you kind of tied it all in. So, we appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed yeah. it. Absolutely. Glad you made it out. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, we're, we've got a couple more episodes talking about failure. We'll have some more people on uh, as we go along. I think we have two more episodes talking about it. Yep. Today was kind of the intro. So check back soon. We'll be talking about a little bit more failure. Yes, sir. (laughs) 